The reading today is taken from Acts 22, verses 1 to 10. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as jealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting them, both men and women, and throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring, them, to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. <clears throat> I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Michael. Good morning. morning. It's great to see you. Well, it was about this time of year, 2016, that something of a childhood dream came true. I was at the Olympic Park. It was 6 a.m. The sun was shining. The sky was blue. I was on my bike with hundreds of others, and the, the park was full of cyclists ready to set off with 100 miles of unspoiled, untrafficked, untraffic-lighted tarmac ahead of us. Where was I? I was at the start line of Ride London. And uh, if uh, you're particularly astute or if you've had to do battle with Ride London on your way in this morning, uh, you'll be aware that it's happening today. Uh, and well done if you've had to... Um, take different modes of transport to get in. We're in a a mini-series, a four-part series on evangelism. And this morning, we're thinking about the power of personal story. So whether you're um, a convinced, avid cyclist, whether you love getting your Lycra on on a Saturday morning, um, or whether you're a driver who finds it so frustrating that there are an increasing number of cyclists, I hope that hearing a bit of um, how much I enjoyed um, being there at the start line, riding out of London, around the Surrey Hills and back to the Mall um, all those years ago. Um, perhaps that, that softened uh, your view and challenged how you think about cyclists and ride London and mass participation sport events that take over the city. But you'll be pleased to hear that our focus this morning isn't cycling, it's not mass participation sport events, It is evangelism and it is 
personal story, the power of personal story. Would you pray with me as we begin? Almighty God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken through your word and have called and are calling us out of the darkness and into your glorious light. Please would you speak to us again this morning that we might together increasingly reflect the glory of Christ. Amen. So I have three short, simple points for us this morning. And the first is this. Your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. The Bible is full of personal stories. And we heard some of Paul's read for us just then. Paul's story is powerful not just because it's spectacular, and of course it is, but because it's true, because it points to Jesus. It's his story and his life is a living witness to his encounter with the risen Jesus. His life is living proof. Why else, how else could Saul, the Christian persecutor, become Paul, one of the greatest preachers of the faith that he'd only recently been trying to destroy? Paul's story of encountering Christ is given to us three times in the book of Acts. It's powerful, it's helpful, it's encouraging. Likewise, your story is powerful. No one has a boring testimony. Spectacular or not, your story is powerful because it's true. Your life bears witness, as Paul's did, to the story that God has written and is writing When people ask us about our faith, about our lives, it can be like Jesus is uh, under trial. Jesus is in the docks. Is he really who he claims to be? Is he really who you claim he is? Is he worth investigating further? Is he worth getting to know? What are we willing to say? Of course, it's not that Jesus needs defending. Rather, our friends, our family, our colleagues, our neighbours might be wanting to examine him, examine the evidence for themselves. And surprise, surprise, one of the main bits of evidence in front of them is you, is me, is us. We don't need to be theologically educated or erudite or particularly eloquent to speak of Jesus. We just need to speak with integrity from the heart. And that's our main point this morning. Your story is powerful. It's powerful because it's true. So be encouraged. The thing is, we tend to think our story isn't powerful and we tend to think people aren't interested. So if the opportunity does come, we fluff it or we fumble it because we just weren't ready. So the second point is this. We need to prepare to share We need to prepare to share. A moment ago, we heard Paul's story. Paul was clearly prepared to share. Twice, Luke recounts Paul publicly sharing his story. On this occasion, as he's accompanied away from a mob that's trying to kill him, when just before he's sort of taken away, he says, no, no, let me address address the crowd. And the, the Roman soldiers let him, let him address the mob. 
And in chapter 26 of Acts, in front of King Agrippa, a slightly more sort of peaceful, civilized setting where he shares his story. Paul had clearly rehearsed his story himself, if not uh, to many others along the way. It was always at hand, always there, should he need to call upon it. And likewise, we need to be ready. We need to be up for sharing our story, our highlights, the key episodes, should the opportunity come to us. We don't know when we'll have a chance to share, but it might be over Sunday lunch today with friends, with family. It might be bumping into a a neighbour on the street. It might be in a weekly small group, a home group setting, where we can encourage one another with how the Lord has been and is at work in our lives. And in preparing to share, we need some coaching. Helpful to have some advice. How do we shape what we say? While Paul offers some advice in the way that he shares his story. The first thing he does is he bears his audience in mind. I love that it says, when they heard him speaking Aramaic, their local dialect, they became very quiet. This mob, this unruly mob, they heard him speak their local tongue and they leant in to hear. He spoke their language. They were intrigued. I mean, it's, it's an obvious point, but it's a good place to start. Speak the language of those you're talking to. Start with who you are. What makes you you? Paul begins, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel. He sort of puts his credentials on, on the table, kind of first thing. A bit like me sharing that, you know, okay, I was born in the north, but I was born in Chatham, Kent, and I was educated in the south. I'm one of you. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? How would you sort of sum, sum up your, yourself in, in a sentence like that? And then Paul goes on to sort of further the link with his audience from his previous way of life with their life now. He's sort of saying, I'm not as different from you. I'm not as other as you might think. I was just as zealous for God as you are today. Now speaking to our friends, you know, it might be a slightly different sort of way of tying into their life experience. They might not be um, the you know, sort of zealous Jews, zealous for God. They might be zealous for other things, zealous for family life, zealous for um, good times, zealous for, for career and promotion. Um, but it's for us to sort of to spot that and to say, I, you know, I can resonate with that. That's who I was. That's where I was, if, if that's true of you. But find that connection. You're just reminding them that you're not completely other. The fact that you've come to know Jesus, you're a Christian, doesn't mean that you're completely different, completely alien. You're more like them than they might like to think. And if God can come into your life, maybe he can come into their life too. But then don't spend too long there. Get to the point. Don't be around the bush. We can be so concerned about what our friends or the person we're talking to might think of the way we encountered God or what we really want to say that we, we spend so long building up how we're, we're like them and we're similar to them uh, rather than saying 
and then you know this happened or someone said this to me or whatever your story might be we're concerned that we'll be written off or that they'll just sort of shrug their shoulders and say well you know nothing special nothing to write home about but if you call yourself a Christian this morning there will be a time or a, a journey on which you've gone of which you can say this is how the Lord has been at work in my life this is what Jesus has done it doesn't need to be spectacular even if it was many years ago or a very gentle encounter through reading the Bible yourself or having it read to you as a child or attending children's church growing up if it's true if it's from the heart that will speak that will carry power how did Jesus catch your attention how did he catch your heart how did he persuade you to follow him how did he come into your life the heart of Paul's message his story is that he he asked this blinding light of a man who are you Lord to which the man replied I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting that's the turning point for Paul and he tells this crowd and then finish off that, the story by bringing us to the present day, by summing up, in a nutshell, what life has been like since encountering Jesus. Paul sums this up for us in verse 10. What shall I do, Lord? That sums up his life, doesn't it? What shall I do, Lord? Just tell me where to go, who to talk to, and I'll do it. His life from that moment is one of humble submission to Jesus. Beautiful obedience. What's life like been? What's life been like for you since you came to know Jesus? In a sentence, in a word, how would you sum up the difference he's made? Perhaps it's him being your friend. You've always had a friend, a companion, someone to walk the road with you, the ups and downs, the trials. Maybe it's having him as, as Lord, as Saviour. Knowing that you're in his hands that he has a plan that you're safe in his hands I've asked Jelena to come up and share a bit of her story she's going to join me in just a second but I, I want to acknowledge a small risk in uh, inviting Jelena up uh, to speak and it's the same risk as having Paul and his story uh, held up as sort of an example of sharing our testimony the, the risk that we kind of sit there and think well these people are of course they've got a good story. You know, it's Paul. He, he had the original Damascus Road experience. He's gone into full-time ministry. Of course he's confident sharing his faith. And we might think that of, of someone like me or Yelena as we share our stories. We're used to it. We're practicing it. It's, it's, it's our job to some extent. But I just want to say, I suppose, to that, whatever we do after we meet Jesus wherever we go whatever profession we take we don't go into full-time ministry we don't sort of have a good story because we've sort of taken that path but that whatever we do if it's full-time ministry that's just part of the story and and before that decision was made we weren't in full-time ministry and we were just normal people like like you um so um well, yeah, I can speak for herself 
yeah, in a moment. Yeah, do you want to come up? And uh, we've got a few. We're just going to basically go through those questions um, as a sort of example. And then just to, uh, to kind of get you thinking already, I'm, I'm going to ask the same questions of you. You're not going to have to share it with everyone. Um, but we're going to take a moment to sort of just go through these, these kind of little questions and just have a moment to think for ourselves. So as Ellen is sharing, maybe have a think for yourself. What would I say to that question? So, Yelena, great to have you here. Thank Thanks you. for coming. Thank um, you. Good morning to everyone. Would you like to begin, as Paul did, by just saying, who are you? What makes you you? In a oh, sentence. I think that is yet to, to be discovered. But if I would say, I would say and start with, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a daughter to my mother. I am a sister, an aunt, a friend, a godmother. Uh, and uh, I live in most beautiful country in the world, uh, that's Montenegro, and I'm 35 years old, or 35 years young. What else can I say? That's, I, uh, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's I, yeah, amazing. Sums up, love mountains yeah. and dogs and people. <laughs> yeah. And now, just to go over again a really basic, obvious point. How many, how many languages do you speak, Yana? Three. Three. And you, you've chosen the one that most of us you know, speak here this morning. We're speaking English. Great. That's, you're speaking our language. Love that. Mogu da govorim na srpskom ako želiš, ali nećeš da razumiješ. Govorim pa ruski? I'm lost. English is great. Thanks. Um, so, how, how come you're here this morning? What's, how did your relationship, you're from Montenegro. What brings you to St. Michael's? How did that relationship start? I would just simply say I am catching up with my family. I'm here, I came to visit to see you all guys and just to, uh, I don't know, just rest a bit, but at the same time share life and see what's going on in your lives and I, sh I can share what's going on in mine and that's it. It's kind of a family reunion to be very honest with you. He's my younger brother. <laughs> great, to, great to have you back. <laughs> I, I was ministry trainee, I, sorry, I forgot to say, I was ministry trainee here at the church from 2017 to 2019, and actually, when I was coming back this morning, I saw the building here, and I thought to myself, uh, three phrases, it's the best life lived, the greatest lessons learned, and I never been so close to God like I was in this place, just experiencing him and his grace and mercy, and also just learning about him, so... Thanks for sharing. It's great to hear. Yeah, no, you've not always been a Christian? No, unfortunately, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. So what was life like growing up before you met Jesus? Oh, I would say two things, boring and without purpose. Uh, saying boring is because most of the world think that fun is all outside, having this freedom that we think we can have for ourselves and doing all crazy stuff, which didn't, I can only testify from this side that it was only empty life, trying to pursue things that uh, kind of you think they will fulfill you, they will make that hole that is inside of you to be full, but it is not. Uh, I uh, was actually due to the circumstances and life in general uh, full of pain and uh, I was at one point choking my grief of loss of my sister and my uh, granddad and my fiancé breaking up the, uh, the engagement four months before the wedding and uh, my best friend being killed. Uh, it was really a horror at one point in life 
And then kind of that took me to the place where I tried to feel my emptiness and all the pain to kind of put and, and find some comfort in, in alcohol, which was very abusive uh, way of using alcohol and relationships at the same time because, you know, that's how you try to gain what you lost, but you actually can't. And that, that would be a life and without purpose, really, because you kind of walk day by day and you don't see the purpose of the day, you don't see life, you don't see yourself, you wonder every single day who I am and you don't know who you are. And how did Jesus come into that? How did he enter the scene? Oh, wow. I mean, I can only also say I kind of knew a lot about God because when I was 13, I started reading the Bible and I was one of these rare people who are coming from Orthodox background who read their Bible, Bibles. But I knew a lot about the Bible and I knew a lot about God, but that knowledge wasn't my heart knowledge. I knew about him, I didn't know him because that's the thing that took my attention, the father's heart, his character, his, him in that story of prodigal son where I basically went on my knees and prayed the whole night to be forgiven when he was running towards his son and saying all these beautiful words, this son of mine was lost, now is found. And him running towards his son, who actually didn't deserve anything but to be completely away and cast out from the Lord, and father running and embracing him and hugging him and loving on him the way he was. And I, that's, that's what caught my attention, but at the same time just knowing Jesus later on more and more and seeing his love and his care, and his care in that immediate need of the people he met, he would meet them in their need, and he would love on them, and he would meet that need first, that whatever it is, they needed healing, they needed something, they needed food. Jesus knew actually that they, many people would come only for food, not because of him. But then he said that greatest need, go and you are forgiven, or go, don't sin anymore, and things like that. So it's, Jesus actually knew how to meet people and love them the best possible way, so that, that caught me. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. And big challenge, in a word. Mm, in a word. Maybe a sentence. How, what difference has Jesus made? What's life been like since? Ooh, whole, like, everything is different, really. Uh, it's not possible to say it in one word. Uh, I think it changed, I, I know the purpose, first of all, it's my purpose to worship him and love him, but not just that, it's, you, I know how it is to be on that other side, that is really something I, I was thinking about. I understand when I work with students, because that's my everyday life, sharing the, the good news with students around me, I know exactly what they are facing every single day, and I know the, the emptiness that they feel, and I, I also know the, if I may say, cure, because I've been there, and he did what he did in my life. I, I can say and testify that he was only loving and caring father, not that distant father that we think of God, that he waits for us and messes with our, our fun and waits for us to make mistakes and then hit us on our heads. But it is also really about heart of God. Uh, when you were speaking this morning about Paul, when he asked, who are you, Lord? And then you, you hear the response, I'm Jesus that you are prosecuting. When, when you think about that, it's like 
Paul was not prosecuting Jesus. He was prosecuting the followers of Jesus. But that's heart of God. Uh, devil is after us, but he feels that, oh, this is attack on me. So that's the, the heart of the Father. When you think about Jesus in Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest him, apart from the fact that he shown authority and who he was by just saying, who are you, ask, who are you looking for? And everyone was on, on their knees. Then the next one, the next sentence, Jesus says, you are here for me, leave them alone, meaning disciples. You, you are here. So that's the, the heart of, of the Father. That's the heart of God. He's always for us. He loves us. He cares for us. But then also he protects us and he heals us. That's the thing. It healed so many wounds inside. And I can say just, I just want to continue to experience all this who he is every single day. Awesome. Amen. So good to hear. Thank you. Preacher he sister. put me, he, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you so much. And it is great to have you with us. If you'd like to hear more of Yana's story or what she's up to at the moment, um, she's around uh, after the service over coffee uh, here for the 11 as well. Do, uh, do catch her. So, if you, uh, if you bumped into an old friend on Elizabeth Street on your way out of church and they said, hey, I've been, I've been thinking, you know, you just... When, I, you know, we, when we used to hang out, you always had such joy, such peace. What's your story? Where do you get it? What would you say? Perhaps over tea, coffee, you might like to ask each other um, a bit about your stories. What would you say? Who, who are you? What was life like before? And how did Jesus come onto the scene? What, what did he do to catch your attention? And the third point, the final point, is this. Don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. We all have a story to share. One story our, our story and only we can tell it and once we're gone we're gone we can't tell it anymore no one else can tell it for us God is still writing his story there's a big gap in the Old Testament between the book of Acts and the epistles the first century AD and the culmination of the times when Jesus comes back and in these in-between times Jesus is working out his purposes, telling his story through all of us who've bowed our knees to him. All of us who've chosen to tie our stories in with his big story. You might not believe it, but your story gets better year after year. Not increasingly boring or irrelevant, but more fascinating and more relevant those of you I've had the pleasure of chatting to you, I know some of your stories, I'd love to hear more. They're so encouraging. What have the highlights been? What were the key moments? It might have been years since you encountered Christ. What, what was that encounter like? And what have you learned of his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness over the years since? Every year is a year of which you can point to and say, God was faithful. 
if you don't feel worthy to share your story, then let's just remember that Paul was out persecuting Christians before God met him and turned his life around. If you're still not convinced, come to the six o'clock this evening where we'll be looking at David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. If you've repented of your sin and turned to Christ and you're walking with him today, you have a wonderful, powerful story to share. Don't write yourself off. Growing up, I could have very easily written myself out of God's story. I grew up at a Baptist church and uh, as it happens, I, I'd been dedicated at a Church of England church, but not baptised. So growing up, we'd have baptism services at our Baptist church and people would come to the front, they'd share their story. Um, often, you know, wonderful stories, dramatic stories of sort of darkness to light. And I'd hear these stories and I'd read books like The Cross and the Switchblade of kind of broken gangsters, drug lords, turning in miraculous ways, encountering Jesus in phenomenal ways and turning, having their lives turned around. And I sat there as someone who'd grown up at church, grown up a Christian, Think oh, I don't I don't have a story I don't have anything to share. And uh, full credit to my brother. It was after one of these baptism services. My younger brother said, "Sam, I think I think you know I'd like to get baptized." So I said, "Great, let's do it together," and uh, jumped on his um, his courage, uh, and we we got baptized in November two thousand and eight. And I've realised since that it's a huge blessing and it's a great story to be able to say that I was I was spared all that brokenness and suffering of a broken home of violence of abuse of having to live on the street all those things as as amazing as it is when God encounters people uh, in that place we can point those of us who have a less dramatic story can point to God's kindness that we didn't have to experience all of that One conversation stuck with me from um, doing the telephone campaign at college uh, a few years ago. One of those telephone campaigns where you phone alumni, kind of foster a relationship, and then ask them if they'd like to increase their standing order. Uh, you might have received a phone call like that over the years. I loved it. It was great fun. Partly because, mainly because, you got to have conversations with all these fascinating people. And on my screen popped up the profile of Canon so-and-so. And I thought, this is going to be interesting, a Canon. What, is, what even is a Canon? Uh, but I knew, I knew they were sort of clerical, so I thought, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. And it was fascinating. This gentleman, who is about 80, shared something of his story, his time at college, and since then. And one line has stuck with me over the years since. And it was this, it was priceless. The Lord has a wonderful way of holding us back for his purposes. A wonderful way of holding us back for his purposes. And I was being paid to have that conversation. <laughs> there I was, 19 years old, undergraduate, impatient for life to start, wondering what the future would hold. And this wise octogenarian passed, uh, was able to reflect on that that phase of life that I was entering. And he said not what I wanted to hear, which is that the Lord has a wonderful way of expediting his purposes in our lives, but a wonderful way of holding us back for his purposes. I, I, was, in, I was intrigued and, and puzzled and 
obviously have held it since then. But I could have gained that insight no other way than by talking to this man who'd lived the life and followed the Lord and seen with hindsight you know, God's hand at work in his life. So an encouragement to, to all of you to share what God's been doing and to share your reflections on a life lived for him and with him. We love hearing stories. We love personal stories. We love stories of God's goodness. Your story is precious and powerful and only you can tell it. Don't write yourself off. Enjoy telling your story. Go on, indulge. Tell us what God has done in your life. Who knows, maybe your story will become part of someone else's story of how they encountered Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made each one of us in your image. That you made us to reflect you in a unique way to the world. And have given us and are writing in us and through us a story that only we can share. Would you encourage us today to prepare to share our stories. To believe there's power in our personal stories as we speak from the heart of what you've done in our lives. And we pray that this week you'd give us one opportunity to share our story. In Jesus' name and to his glory. Amen.